Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know what you are doing, you know what you want to do, and you are solid about it. And now, coming to you live from atop the Lavender Town Radio Tower, it's the one... The only Pucko Podcast! It's Pucko! Pucko! It's Pucko! Pucko! Pokemon Underground Champions League, oh yeah! Pucko! Grab your friends, it's that time Come again! again. And welcome to the 353rd episode of the Puckle Podcast. I am your host, Trainer Thatch, here today with my spectacular co-host, including one that sheds cotton instead of fur like my kitty cats, the fluffiest whimsicott. I think you mean Farfa Duvet. Farfa Duvet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. We were discussing French Pokemon names in the Discord last night. And I found out that Whimsicott is not just hilarious, it's actually really, really cool. I'll explain later if we have time. And then, of course, as always, we have the exquisite Sublime Manic. I am exquisite, and as I age, I get better. (laughs) Just like a fine wine. Exactly. You're a fine wine, Sublime. I am the wine of of Puckle. And as always, we are here to bring you... The Puckle Podcast. Puckle, of course, standing for the Pokemon Underground Champions League, a nonsensical name that I came up with when I was 16. But we bring you everything from the trading card game to the video game, including Pokemon Puzzle League. We talked about that once. I actually have the episode for that because a listener, fun fact, bought it for me when we first started the show. So I was like 17 and I was super uncomfortable with taking money or gifts or anything from anybody who would give it to the podcast unlike now you could go donate to patreon we're big fans of that i really appreciate that support however i was very hesitant to accept it and i was just like i can't accept this and the guy sends me the angriest email in the world he goes it is incredibly rude for you not to accept my gift and so now i own pokemon puzzle league on my wii it's very confusing to me (laughs) i love pokemon puzzle league it's not a bad game. That's the problem. And it's like one of those games that's actually based on the anime. One of the few that's based on the anime. Back when the anime was super hype, unlike now, 
So we don't speak. I don't speak of it now. <laughs> the anime ended with X Y Z, and then they just stopped making it. <laughs> so welcome to the show. If you're new, welcome back. If you're old, we're gonna talk some Pokemon stuff today. And before we do that, though, I want to jump into it and see how you guys have been. What you've been up to? Well, I was on a holiday for a little while. So uh. I thought, I'm going to play so much Pokemon. And I got like one badge in on a Nuzlocke of Pokemon X. Sounds reasonable. That's like real life now for me. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm yeah. going to go play some Pokemon. I got some time off today. And then I'll go and sit on my computer and I'll work on some Puckle stuff. And then I'll get distracted and I'll be like, ah, this science thing sounds really cool. And then I'll look it up to see if it's any fe- if it's feasible. And then, <laughs> and then it's just like, well, I should go to bed now. Honestly, it wasn't such a bad thing for me because I went on holiday thinking, oh, I'm just going to like sit on a couch and play Pokemon for a week. But then I actually like went out in the world, got some fresh air, biked a bit, walked a bit, which I guess was healthier than playing Pokemon for a week. These are all true statements, yes. I played some Pokemon Go. I caught like 12 shiny Eevee. Ooh. Yeah, I was pretty satisfied with that. Man, that's pretty good. I think I caught like six. I only did one day because I try to play with my wife all the time, and she was working the Saturday. Mm-hmm. So since she was working Saturday, I'm not going to go out and be like, hey, look at all these shiny Eevee I caught. Because personally, I don't care about shinies in Pokemon Go. And she cares far more about shinies in Pokemon Go than I do. But you could have gone and caught them and then traded some to her. So... So, second problem, that sounds like a lot of work, and I didn't want to do that. Community (laughs) day is a lot of work. That's why I didn't do two days. We did the first day, we did Saturday, and we're like, do we want to do this again on Sunday? And I'm like, I really don't. (laughs) I really don't. I could do, like, one hour on Saturday, and I caught, like, four shiny Eevee, and I thought, well... If I do this again tomorrow, maybe I can get, like, a full set of shiny evolutions. And then I kind of went overboard with it, and I thought, well, if Gen 8 introduces a new evolution, I'm set. Gen 8 will not introduce an evolution. I am almost certain. I will eat my words. I, I have enough shinies. It's fine. It's mostly, like, yeah, I have enough for each one, but what if I randomly evolve my last six and all of them are Vaporeon? Yeah. That's the struggle. Oh, I saw so many people fail to get what they wanted. It was kind of delicious. Yeah, I haven't even started evolving even one of them, and it's good that I didn't because apparently, spoilers for the Celebi quest, you need to, like, walk an EV and evolve it into Espeon, and then you need to walk another EV and evolve it into Umbreon, so why not get the shiny ones done for the quest and get the quest done at the same time, you know? Agreed. That's why yep. I haven't been doing that. Also, when it comes to the Vaporeon, Jolteon, and Flareon thing, I think my wife came up with the best solution for that, which is just transfer them to Let's Go and then evolve them there. Ah, uh, but what if you can transfer... What if you can transfer them back? Oh, you can't transfer them back. So that I was confirmed. Want them in my go. What? You can or you can't? You can't. That was confirmed. You can't go. It's only one way. Oh, see, that's why I'm keeping them in my go. And I'm going to roll the dice. And I don't know. I, I guess like 
at the next PuckleCon, we'll all be like good enough friends on Go that we can just trade like our extra shiny Jolteon for our, your extra shiny Flareon or something like that. I'm not too worried about it. I mean, I, I honestly don't care about shinies in Go. I wish I did, but I just don't. Uh, every time I catch a shiny, I just trade it to my wife. I'm like, here you go. You care. <laughs> and then she's just like, yeah, I've got a shiny. She honestly needs to be the person shiny hunting on Twitch. I think she'd make a far better person at doing that because she'd probably actually have a legitimate reaction. Oh, yeah. Well, I like I had a I screamed so much when I had shiny Soviet patch. Like a lot. <laughs> but I wasn't hunting for it, so I wasn't expecting it. So that may have been why, you know? Yeah, no, I was hunting Bonsly on stream the other week. And I need to get back on stream. I just I've been really bad about it because I keep traveling for work. And I I was hunting shiny Bonsly and I broke the chain accidentally, and so I'm trying to get back into a Bonsly chain and I mean, I was at like 200 some encounters for Bonsly and still hadn't caught it. And I'm walking around on stream and, you know, I'm running into other things that aren't Bonsly and I run into a rock rough and it's shiny, like just, oh. just full odds, shiny rock rough. Ah! And I was so upset. <laughs> you were, honestly, you know that like this was my first email to Paco, like Three years ago, four years ago, I can remember. Uh, I still haven't caught a full odds shiny. Never, never seen one. I was, I couldn't believe it, and I'm just like, man, I want that bonds lie though. We were working on bonds lie. <laughs> Gosh. All right. What about you, Sublime? What have you been up to? I've been up to going back to work and being an adult, and <laughs> that's honestly that's fair. It's that teacher life. Yeah, teaching. You're four as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm aware. Yeah, I'm good friends with a lot of professors over at the local university, and so they work with me uh, during the summer, and they still they work throughout the year as well. But they, uh, one in particular, he, he was working uh, at, with me, and he comes in, and he's just like, I hate that class started. And I'm like, why? You've been teaching for like 20 years or something now. And he's just like, yeah, but the kids just keep getting dumber. I just can't handle it anymore. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I, I I walk in there, I teach my classes, and then I leave and I come over here to work because I just can't stand it over there anymore. It was, I'm just wow. like, that's really depressing. <laughs> um, but we can we can have an entirely different podcast on my opinions of the university system one day. And the injectification of higher education. Yeah. That's what we, we and could have. why that's terrible. Yeah, that's not a Puckle episode, unfortunately. So it turns out there was some crazy Pokemon news. So we're going to change gears here and we're going to cue that epic music. Town Radio Tower. This just in. And welcome to the news. In the news, we have several things. So let's first knock out all of the Pokemon Go because there's always Pokemon Go news. Good for them, I guess. And that's good for them. It is. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's it not is. the end of the world, right? 
Uh, so the Celebi quest is officially out now. You can go try to get Celebi. It takes like a week and a half, but you can do it. Uh, you can go and check that out. All of it's on Cerebi or your favorite Pokemon Go website of choice. You can see all of the special research steps. Go out there, have fun. That came out on Monday. Also, Ho-Oh is coming back. When is that? I think that's uh, this Monday. It's already right now. It's actually going to oh. end on the 27th. Oh, it's going to end on the 27th. So you guys are screwed if you don't get one now. There you go. Get on it. Get on it. <laughs> yep. Right now. And then, of course, if you're at Pokemon Worlds, like, right now while we're recording this and not after it comes out, you can catch some unknown. That's uh, that's your Pokemon Go. Yeah. Also, Entei is the next one for the research. So good for you guys. Have fun with that. Um, all right. But some other cool news that I think is really fantastic. First of all, starting August 27th, so this Monday... Twitch is going to start doing these streams where they play TV shows and they've chosen Pokemon as the way to do it. And they said they're going to be doing this for like 10 months. I'm so excited. You don't even know how excited I am just to have Twitch be playing the Pokemon series. (laughs) They're going all the way from the Indigo League to the end of XYZ. So where the anime ends for Sublime. Yeah, I mean, that's where the anime ends, actually. Yeah, it is a lot. Uh, so the idea is, I believe they're going to do 10 to 16 episodes a day, Monday through Thursday. And then they're going to be doing encores on Friday and Saturday. And then they're going to be doing Pokemon movies on Sunday. Oh. So this is a really nice little thing going on. And they said it's going to take like 10 months for them to get through everything, which is believable. And it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited. I I don't use Twitch for too much other than our, our streaming and the occasional stream that I'll watch. But this is actually something that I'll actually use Twitch for because they're going to be playing the entirety of the Pokemon TV show. And that's something I want to watch, at least like the first couple of seasons, like up until the end of Hoenn, I think I care about. And then you get into Sinnoh and you're just like, wow, it's been 50 episodes since Ash got a badge last time, though the battles in Sinnoh are fantastic. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but the battles in Sinnoh. Isn't that when they started getting, like, real technical? And I'm like, oh, no, it's going to use its ability that does this. They started doing that. They started doing abilities in Gen 3, like, as soon as abilities Did they, like, talk about them? Yeah, because there were a couple instances where, like, Overheat and Overgrow kick in with Sceptile and Blaziken. Oh, I have seen that with Overheat in the battle with Flannery. Um, Yeah. It does kick in, so it is a... It does happen. It's very interesting. And I don't know. I'm very... I'm very excited. It's a good time. Uh, Orange up until Orange League is super nostalgic for me as a kid. So, for sure, for sure. So I'm I own all of them on DVD anyway. But same. Well, I own Indigo. I own Indigo. <laughs> I own Indigo, Orange Islands, and Johto Journeys. I want to. I want to at least get up to the Intel Master Quest, which is season five on DVD. They do have those all. I think they've gotten up to season six out on DVD in a full set. I need to double check my records, but I think they've gotten up to season six or maybe even season seven at this point. I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure. I would be willing to go all the way through Johto and then stop. Yeah. I mean, that's as far as I really want to go, but I will keep going if they keep putting them out. Honestly, just to own them all on DVD would be fantastic. I, to be fair, I'd actually prefer them in Blu-ray because Bo and I talked about this slightly because they're relaunching the Blu-ray for the first three Pokemon movies. And there is actually a difference if you watch the Blu-ray version of the Pokemon movie versus the DVD version of the Pokemon movie. He and I both sat down. We watched the, we watched both of them. 
side by side and we noticed a striking difference in just quality and how sharp the animation looked it blew my mind i didn't expect to see a difference with the blu-ray disc <laughs> from a movie that came out in the year 2000 is on top of that yeah right? yeah i would not have expected that either it just looks much cleaner on the blu-ray i don't know how to explain it and no, no, I, I guess i guess i get it but as you said like it's something yeah. you expect but as you said not from an older movie mm-hmm uh, so, if you want to go get Latios and Latios, which are the next legendaries it, coming out in the legendary year of Pokemon, I guess, uh, guess what? If you live in the U.S., you get the Shaft again, just as everyone, I guess, because instead of everybody having to go to GameStop this time or Game or whatever store, they have to go to uh, Best Buy in the United States to go get your Latios and Latios card. What? Yeah. What? It's getting worse. What? Like, I thought Target was a stretch, right? Yeah. And then we have mm. to go to Best Buy. What's up with that, guys? Everybody else gets it via the Nintendo uh, the Nintendo Network download. Oh, that is... Mm, mm, I'm Man, done. Nope. Nope. The US is just getting the shaft on all of these downloads, by the way. Because what makes it worse, like, it'd be fine if Whimsicott also had to go to some store that wasn't Best Buy, maybe. I don't know what they have in Italy. And they could do but that. But was equally as sad. But what's problem? The problem is this happens literally for almost all of these downloads. Is that Europe gets them in the form of just like an online download? Because that's far more convenient for everybody involved, except for us. Honestly, like even if Europeans had to go to a specific store, like one that that was actually in their country, it wouldn't be as annoying. As Americans having to go to a specific place because your country is so ginormous, there's a good chance you have to drive like four hours. To That's get true, to store. especially we for have a Best bad Buy. public transit. <laughs> yeah, especially for Best Buy because Best Buys aren't all over the place. Like I can understand Target, I can understand GameStop. Those are those are prominent stores in the U.S. Best Buy, however, there are some cities that only have maybe one, and those are cities, mind you. If you live in the middle of nowhere, there's a good chance that there's still a Target somewhere near you, or even a GameStop. I've seen GameStops in the middle of nowhere before. Exactly. But the middle of nowhere in the US is very different from the middle of nowhere in Europe. Exactly. I mean, because you just hop on some bullet train that you guys built with what money, I don't know. And yeah, you have a bullet train now. I've decided that you're now Japan. I'm just... I'm, I mean, we, we, do, we do have super fast trains, but that's not the point. The point is... Even if I have to, like, hop into my car and drive in a direction for, like, two hours, unless I'm, like, I can't think of a place in Europe that isn't, like, Russia, <laughs> that you will not hit a city in three hours. Yeah, because I can think of several places in the United States where you probably wouldn't hit a Best Buy in three hours. Looking at you, Wyoming. Looking at you. So, that that's honestly, it's so frustrating when they do that. So I'm going to try to get as many as I can so we can distribute them on Twitter and stuff like that. Because I, I know it genuinely helps people out who can't get to it. Though there are people... My, my least favorite thing is when we give away codes on Twitter. I'll always There's always going to be that one message where the guy goes, Can I have two? And in that moment, I just skip his name and don't even give him one. And mm. Because it's just like, well, you now you're being greedy, you know? Well, you know, just give them the one. They were just asking. Maybe there were enough extras. And I'm a big believer that it should never hurt to ask. Just say no. You cannot have two. 
I'm going to say, no, you can't have two in a DM and then not give them the one. That's even more insult to injury. But oh, God. Let's move on with the news. <laughs> let's move on. So Pokemon Worlds are going on right now. Typically, that comes with a big reveal. And you guys are greatly not going to be disappointed with a reveal this year. They revealed <laughs> there's a new Pokemon card coming to the scene called Tag Team GX, where it appears that you're going to get a legendary mixed with another Pokemon like Pikachu battling it out. It's a basic that's going to have like 240 HP, not broken, by the way. And <laughs> it's also going to, uh, if you if it gets knocked out, your opponent takes three prize cards instead of the normal two for a GX. Uh, I personally don't like them from a collector standpoint. I, I do play the game, but from as a collector, I like collecting the individual Pokemon and their cards art. And whenever there's more than one Pokemon on the card, like, for example, if we look at the Landorus, Thunderous, and Tornadus boxes that are out, they come with those big jumbo cards with, like, the stupid, like, hey, look, all three of them are on the same card type deal. And that's what it, this makes me think of, and it just feels like a cheap gimmick. I'm not a big fan. It's also just going to crush how fast the game goes. And I'm disappointed by that because they were doing such a good job slowing it down. They also announced the logo for the Detective Pikachu movie. And it is, in fact, yeah. coming out in May 2019. So instead of watching Star Wars, you can watch Detective Pikachu. Wait, Star Wars comes out in uh, May? No, Star Wars. Uh, I was referring to the release time schedule of uh, Solo. Uh, like that series of movies, like it's not going to exist anymore. Solo oh, yeah. bombed. Solo, Solo so. did it. <laughs> didn't bomb but it did not meet projections yes. it bombed for a star wars movie yes. yeah exactly yes 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 but detective pikachu is coming out I, no, i'm sorry i mean i am going to see something else in theaters in may 2019 <laughs> i mean I, I i am going to see the detective pikachu movie i just i'm sorry if i sound salty i just cannot believe that there was such a dearth of, of news to give out that like the logo for the, the not even the first trailer the logo for the detective pikachu movie was worthy of being one of the two pieces of news announced at the opening ceremony of worlds yeah it's it's frustrating but i mean we can talk about this further but i i don't think they had anything for let's go I don't think Let's Go is a game of substance, and I think a lot of people can agree with me there, mostly because, I mean, my biggest reason to do it is to say that if you look at the Amazon sales, when Let's Go was announced for the first month it was out, Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee held, I believe, the one in three spots on Amazon, and now they're holding something like 61 and 62 or something like that. So that means that the initial hype was there, but then it just didn't keep rolling. And I understand that. Because these aren't traditional Pokemon games. These are games that people are going to pick up and play casually. They're not going to play them to move the, to try to improve and see the next step in the Pokemon experience. This is something that's a gateway drug. And I, I commend the Pokemon company for doing this. I think it's an incredibly smart business move. I think it's also an incredibly smart move uh, allowing a stopgap between this and the 2019 game. I think this oh, is just yeah, this is this was just the best move they could have possibly made when Nintendo is definitely breathing down their neck saying, hey, we need a Pokemon game to come out in 2018. And then 
on top of that being like, well, we want to make sure we develop a good game for our actual fan base. That's the way I see it. I know a lot of people are just like, well, this is the bad direction for the Pokemon to be going in. I'm like, yeah, it, it, it would be, but this isn't the direction Pokemon's going in. This is just a new thing that Pokemon's doing. I I think it's more... It's it's somewhere in between saying, oh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon's now a series, right? And mm-hmm. saying it's somewhere in between Pokemon Mystery Dungeon and the main series. It's somewhere in there. They I know they call these main series games in their press release. I think you do that for several reasons. I mean, they also called the Nintendo DS the third pillar of Nintendo strategy. So let's take what game developers say with a grain of salt, right? And <laughs> that I think that this is a quote-unquote main series game, but it's not the actual core experience that players expect. You get, everybody gets the game in 2019. I feel like everybody forgets that. I think yes. Let's Go is a really good testing ground so that if something does work really well in Let's Go, maybe we'll see it in the 2019 game. Something like following Pokemon, right? Or po- mm. Yeah, people really like that. Maybe they'll be like, yeah, let's throw it into 2019, you know, Pokemon... Uh, what I I almost said crystal as if it wasn't a game that didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pokemon uh, turquoise and uh, and yeah and teal. I thought we were past colors that. Yeah, uh, turquoise is a precious stone. Fun. I know fact. we've done those as well. Yeah, but we're not past that. Okay, so well we did X Y Sun Moon. Let's see. Okay, so I would say Jupiter and Mars, but I feel like that's you're opening up. A uh, Pokemon Diamond oh, Pearl remake. What if you use the astrology signs? You could be Ooh. like Aquarius I, Crystal. I would be so peeved about that for reasons that are very personal to me and that I will explain to you in another juncture. But, um, <laughs> oh my. She's got thoughts, long okay? Story, long personal story. Don't worry about it. I guess, no, I guess like the salt I felt is. I guess the salt that so many people felt, and I think it's because like I totally fell for um, rumor that had no grounds in reality. You know the rumor that a bunch of Gen One Pokemon had received uh, renewed copyrights. Oh man! So yeah, you're right. So we talked about it on the show, right? And I think what we said on the show was very grounded. I know we made the title somewhat clickbaity, but I thought what we said was very grounded in that I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I just don't see a way for them to do it, especially with some of those names having Alolan forms. I just don't see it happening. And on top of that, no, if you but, look at how um, many sources actually I mean, confirmed that happening, I think it was like one. I think no, they all, I mean, it all went you, back have, to one. I, I, I don't remember this. Have you actually mentioned the fact that the rumor was just a rumor? I it don't, wasn't actually I, true. I called it a rumor. I didn't call it a fact. I called it a rumor because it only came from one source. That there was that there's new that Pokemon got retrademarked. It came from one source. Every single pe- article goes back to one single tweet from Jinx Club on Twitter, yeah. which claims and that confirmed yeah. that it wasn't true. So boom. The problem with news is, as usual, the news makes a splash, and then when someone actually speaks up and says, "Wait, that wasn't true," not as many people hear that. So I was one of Joe, them. Joe Merrick and I would just. We would have a really good time at a pub together, um, <laughs> yeah. com- complaining about things. It's fine. All right. So that, I think, is all of the news. <laughs> I think we did it. So uh, before we go, Sublime wanted to say something, though, about uh, the the Puckle PTU pot. That's actually dropping in like a week and a half, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's coming up. And I had announced it the last time I was on the podcast, but neglected to mention that it will be explicit, unlike your other Puckle uh, festivities and um, podcasts. So be aware of that. It's only going to be on Patreon for a little bit first as kind of a testing ground to see how that kind of mature content plays out. We'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, just something people should know. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're going to kick it on over, guys, to Puckle's Pokey Quiz, where we're going to quiz your co-host on their innate Pokemon knowledge. And welcome to Puckle's Pokey Quiz, the segment of the show where we quiz your co-host on their innate Pokemon knowledge. So, of course, that means no browsers. Sublime and Whimsicott will be using their knowledge together in a team to earn points. They are competing against the other co-hosts. First co-host to 30 points wins a Pokemon Center plush of under $20 of their choosing. And, of course, we are racing to 30 points. They have a possible seven points today there are five questions each worth one point they have a bonus point that comes from one of these questions because it has two answers and of course they get uh seven points if they get all these questions correct without using a hint that they can use on any of these questions so if you guys are ready to go let's get started let's yeah let's do that so our first question i think it's a bit of a softball I want to know which generation introduced the most new Pokemon. Five. That's easy. It's five. That is correct. The answer is generation five with 156 Pokemon added to the Pokedex because they're like soft reboot. And they're just like, you know what? Everybody likes. They like monkeys. We're going to make six monkeys. I was going to say it was because they threw in so many legendary Pokemon. They did throw in a lot of legendaries, but even then, so what they did was they copy-pasted so many Pokemon designs, it's not even funny. So you look at just not the monkeys, like Simiseer, Panseer, and Simipore, and Sage, that's it. And if you look even closer, though, you also have um, the, look at the uh, the weather trio, Tornadus, Thunderous, Landorus. They all look almost exactly the same. Similar, although they changed it up a little bit more for black to white, too, giving them their alternate forms. Yes, but still, they just copy-pasted a lot of Pokemon. It's not even yeah. funny. They they did not work very hard to hit that 150 number. Also, Basculin was only created because they did not think there were enough fish. Well, yeah. it had they really were like, few wait, water types. They were going, they were going it to had water much fewer water types. All right, so we're just going to move on to question number two, though, before we talk about Gen 5 and its design decisions. So this next one involves Mega Evolution. So in Oraz, we obviously go through a story that explains that Rayquaza was the first Pokemon to ever go through Mega Evolution. However, according to Kalos legend, though, there's a different Pokemon that was the first to Mega Evolve. What was it? Mega Lucario. Yep. That is also correct. That is your second point today, guys. You guys are on a roll two for two. We love Gen 5 and we love Pokemon lore. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. It's going well. You're playing to our strengths. I appreciate it. Yep. <laughs> All right. So this next question has to do with the Pokedex and how it categorizes Pokemon by color. 
It turns out Generation 7 changed several Pokemon's colors from what they were previously. One of these being the East Coast form of Shellos, um, the, the little blue guy. They changed it to blue in Generation 7, so he wasn't categorized as blue previously. I want to know what color was he categorized previously in Gen 6 prior and Gen 6, Gen 4, Gen 5 when they did the colors. I would guess green because it's next to blue on the colors. Yeah, also because, you know, the problem with green and blue in Japanese. So that is and that's kind of an aqua color. So, yeah, Yeah, it's like adjacent to green. Yeah, let's go with green. I would agree with you. Green's your final answer. Yeah. Yeah. That is unfortunately incorrect. The answer is purple. Oh, no. That was just wrong. That was just wrong. It's purple. I don't know why. We're not wrong. The Pokemon company's wrong. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. No, no. You're you're exactly right. Um, I saw that and I couldn't believe it. There are other other ones that changed, though, as well, including Mega Charizard. It used to be categorized as red. Now it's categorized as black. Casform went from white to gray. Uh, Burmy went from gray to green. And then you've got uh, things like Darmanitan Zen Mode going from red to blue. And then, uh, yeah, the oddest one is Shellos, first of all, being considered purple to begin with. I, I don't it, know. There's nothing on it that's purple. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I mean, I suppose maybe it was because it categorized the two Shellos as the same color in the Pokedex. So that's not true either, because the other one, I believe, is categorized as red. Let me double check, though, real quick for you. Um, but yeah, Shellos... Uh, um, let's see. Shellos, the... Oh, no, no, they were both categorized as purple. You are right. The West Sea one is categorized as purple. There you go. Ah, that's a good explanation yeah. for you. Hmm. And it was the first one They're created. They're still wrong. So. They're still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to the next question. That includes your bonus point. So uh, this question I I found really interesting. I didn't know this until today. So there are two non-bug type Pokemon families that can learn the move Twin Needle. What are they? Twin Needle is the signature move of Beedrill. First of all, there are way more Pokemon than Beedrill that can learn it now. Um, And two of the the, uh, evolutionary lines that can do it are... Not bug type. Well, since we lost the uh, perfect run, why don't we use the hint? Why don't we discuss it for the minute we get and then get the hint? That usually is more helpful. Okay, because I'm kind of at a loss for this one. Same. I'm trying to think about Pokemon. Maybe something that is bug type looking, but isn't a bug type. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is Flygon, but I don't think it gets Twin Needle. I don't either. It would need twins of something. Yeah, Yeah, I'm thinking like, I don't know, Excadrill, but it's a a poison type Twin Needle, right? No, it's Mm -hmm. a bug type move. Mm, it's a bug type move it's that a bug can type poison move. you. Uh, um, mm, tree needles, stuff that has um, pointy parts. Yeah, it's it's weird because there's so much stuff that gets like spike cannon or. Um, mm, All right, you're gonna have to use the hint. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna have to use the hint. Let's. All right. So one of these Pokemon families is known for having skill link. Uh, The other one is a uh, is an electric type. 
uh, not just electric type. It can have another type attached to it as well. And uh, it's got, it's known for being spiky. Jolteon. Okay. Does Jolteon learn it? I think Jolteon might learn it. Uh, Wait, no, it's just no, not, it's, just electric no, 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 it's Togedemaru and Cloyster. I'm thinking Pin Missile. Yeah, I'm thinking Pin Missile. Um, Don't you think it's Togedemaru and Cloyster? I definitely think it's Togedemaru. Uh... Does Shelter get Skill Link, or is it just Cloyster? Um, I don't remember. Well, either way, I certainly don't think it's uh, Mincino, so let's just go with Cloyster. and Let's think about this electric one a little longer, because I feel like there's lots of spiky electric types. Yeah, but... has metal spikes also. So that's more than two. No, evolutionary families. That's what I said. Evolutionary families. Ah. Wait, so Shelter and Cloister, like... if you answer that, would count as one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, yes, but you said evolutionary families, implying that they're both part of evolution lines. That not is family. not the implication. <laughs> you well, dug like, into that. You made that inference. That is the way that works. <laughs> no, not true. No. <laughs> Technically, if a single Pokemon is an no evolutionary family, family of one. You're not a family. Yes. You by yourself, you're going to die alone. Sorry about it. <laughs> you may have a cat. You might. You probably have 27 of them. Let's go with what we've got. Yeah. So the Cloister line and Toga tomorrow. Yep. That is correct on both accounts. It is Toga tomorrow and Shelter. They both learn it via Egg Move. But I thought that was really interesting that they learned Twin Deedle, of all things. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. interesting? It is um, interesting. Okay, so that's uh, that's four points for you guys today. And as always, we wrap things up with a base stat question. And this week, our base stat question is about base HP of Steel-type Pokemon. We want to know who has the highest base HP of all Steel-type Pokemon. That is an interesting question. Okay. Um... Solgaleo? A lot of times... What is? Solgaleo? That is a good starting point. I feel like a lot of the legendary steel types have really high defenses and actually don't have very impressive HP. That's right. Like, Celesteela's HP is not very impressive. It's a combination of having, like, good HP, good defense, good special defense, but it's not exceptional at any of those. Yeah. And like you think of like Registeel or Cobalion and their HP is not impressive at all. They have good defensive other things, but um mm-hmm. Do you know what Solgaleo's HP is? No, but I know it's really really high. Like it's the highest for psychic types. Well, if it's, it's higher than Wobbuffet. Then let's if it's yeah, if it's higher than Wobbuffet, let's go with that cuz yeah, I think that's a good Choice. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that would be very high in, in HP specifically. That is correct. That gives you five points for today, guys. So good for you. Um, Sogaleo has a base HP of 137. That's quite mm. high. Yeah. He's very high. Bulky boy. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty bulky guy. Yeah. And, I mean, so Lunala ties with him, obviously. Uh, yeah. In terms, yeah. But it's not steel type, but... No. Uh, all right. So that does change up the board kind of a bit because everybody who's not Scrawn is actually pretty close together. 
And so right now, in first place, we have Scrawn with 23 points. Catching up, though, we have Sublime in second with 15 points. Tied for third, we have Mr. Maximus and the Fluffiest Whimsicott. Tied for fifth, we have Gator and Jushiro. In seventh place, we have R. Sigma with seven points. In eighth place, we have Dr. Shamu with six points. In ninth, uh, we have Basket and Bo with five points. And then Snag bringing up the rear with two. So that is it for this episode of Puckle's Pokey Quiz. Catch us next week for some more Pokey Quiz action. Until then, we're going to kick it on over to the topic. Look out! A wild bow appeared, telling you how you can enhance your Puckle experience. If you haven't already, join us on Discord, where you can chat with other players and hosts. Follow and like our social medias, and come and watch us play on Twitch. If you're able to give anything, try Patreon.com or TeePublic, where you can get all kinds of sweet Puckle merch. And, last but not least, check out our Puckle Plus, where you can find shows like Game Corner, TCG Cast, and Battlecast. Catch you on the flip-flop! And welcome to the topic. Our topic today is going to be competitive Pokemon playstyles. I think this is an interesting topic. Whimsicott came up with it. And it's just very interesting because it's something that we don't talk a lot about in terms of playing Pokemon. But finding your playstyle is incredibly important when you want to play Pokemon and be good at it. I think that's one of the essential things is to just do that because we have, I think, I think you kind of break it down into uh, three main play styles and then we can kind of branch off of there from those. But in my opinion, there's an offensive play style where you're very aggressive in the way that you play. And then there's balanced, which I think is probably the most popular and the one that people typically play. And then you have stall the devil's play style. Yeah, if you're the devil or Seth Vilo. Yeah, Seth Vilo. I mean, it's kind of how you play when you're, I don't know, when you want to play super safe, you play stall. I think that's but kind we, of how you play. We can discuss it when we get to stall. Yes. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't know if we're ever just going to go and break them down one by one. But, I mean, you, you can break these down into a little bit more. I know hyper offense is a big thing right now. It has been ever since Gen 7 became a thing. I wasn't a hyper offensive player until recently. I, I mean, I think it gets to a point when you play a lot of Pokemon, you can kind of start shifting play styles. And I mean, I, I started off as a balanced player personally, and I've shifted into the part where I can I can play stall. I don't think it's fun. It's not. And that's my biggest issue with it is that you're just you know what I don't want to do in my life? Spend an hour on one Pokemon battle. Yeah, I mean, that's how I feel about stall. I've played a lot of stall matches. I think we've had a few Puckalonians that, that not Seth Vilo that have played stall and they've played it to the point where they've timered out. And that, oh man, Pokemon gives you an hour timer. If you can't complete a Pokemon match in an hour timer, you really just need to stop. Just stop. Uh, <laughs> because yeah. that's, that's a huge thing. That's just upsetting that you just took an hour of your time and you couldn't even finish a match. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can obviously combine these to an extent, depending on how you want to play. But I I mean, I think finding your play style is very important in Pokemon. Like where you kind of I, I would say your home base, especially if you're new to the game and you're trying to find out how to play. Finding how you want to play is a big thing. Do you want to be aggressive the entire time? Do you want to? Do you want to stall and play everything super safe and make the game take an hour and a half so you can still win? And do you not have things to do in your life? Do you not have <laughs> like obligations? 
maybe stalls for you. And then balance think- is more in the middle, obviously, where you kind of you have you have your aggressive sweepers, but you also have bulkier stuff to hold you back. And I think that's where a lot more people lie. But go ahead, Lindsay. I think. No, I think it's also not just about what you want to do. It's about what you find real satisfaction in. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are a high risk, high reward person, you might like to aim for just a setup sweep where you mm-hmm. bring a really strong Pokemon that needs to set up. Like, I don't know, a Swords Dance Cartana or a Dragon Dance um, Zygarde. I don't know. And you do everything in your power to set up that sweep. If you make it, you win. If you don't, you lose. High risk, high reward. If mm. you are, like, if that's something that's, that I'd, you I'd, enjoy in playing, then that's what you should go for. But if you, yeah. like, if you like something more, um, let's say, more stable, more consistent then you might want to go for stall. But if you find stall boring, then you go for balance. It's it, You don't just have to find something that you think works. You have to find something that you enjoy doing because you're playing Pokemon to have fun, right? No, I'm playing it for the glory and the money, okay? I mean, if you're a Vigis player. I can be- <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're incredibly correct. These these all kind of sit into VGC as well, though. I'd say VGC is almost always faster paced. Yes, um, but that's just like inherent to the format. That's inherent to the format. So, but I'd still say there's you can still play stall. You can still play. I have seen people try to play stall in VGC. Um, I have seen people play hyper offense. Absolutely, hyper offense in VGC is a thing. Um, I have also seen people play balanced teams. Which I think is the most common. Yeah, I think balance... I think that's just easier for people to understand and comprehend because I feel like a lot of people see Pokemon like Charizard. and this is We're going from the casual to competitive mindset, right? And so you see a Pokemon like Charizard and you're like, that's really cool, I really want him to hit hard. But at the same time, they don't have the skill level or the confidence to have Charizard not die, right? And so you need something to support Charizard. And that's why I think balance comes up more often mm-hmm. than not, because you see a lot of people playing safer trying to do that thing. But I was, I mean, you can do that inherently now with hyper offense to an extent. Hyper offense has become much more popular in Gen 7. Um, I just, mostly because of the Tapus. The terrain is just stupid. Yeah, like, good. I wonder why. And because I was running for a while. I mean, this is I one of my favorite teams for the longest time, and it's still one of my favorite teams from Gen 7, was this team I was running that was Tapu Koko, Halucha, Mega Sceptile. Um, it was Moxie, Gyarados, and I forget the other two, but they weren't bulky. It was a hyper-offensive team. It was a team that essentially, I'm going to set something up, and then I'm going to knock you down, and you need to stop me before I get on too big of a roll. And that that was how I played. Um, and the re- I remember doing that because Shamu and I were building that team for Patreon, and he was looking for a team because he and I have team built together enough. And I think this is something that I, I should explain to people who are looking to get into Pokemon as a whole. If you find a team builder, team building partner that can actually you can actually work with, don't ever lose them because you just get to a point where you understand each other's play style so well that you can put something together for each other. 
and it works out really well. And in this case, it backfired because I was kind of getting to this place where I can kind of play. I, I have the wiggle room to play whatever I want to play and feel pretty comfortable with it. And so I'm typically a balanced player. Shamu and I were trying to build this team based on, I believe, Hall Lucha or something like that. And or no, it was Gyarados. We were building around Gyarados. And he and I were building this team together, and we fi- we made a joke. I'm just like, wouldn't it be silly if we could put both the Grasswater Fire Core and the Fantasy Core in the same team? Don't you think that would be silly? Which I do all the time. I and so we're and I'm like, and we can make it a decent team. And he's just like, yeah, let's try that. That's not hard. I feel like it's not hard to do, but to make it to make it a consistent team, I think is more difficult than not. I think you can make a team like that, and you can make it look like you have a good balance. But I think making sure that it's successful on a consistent basis is something different. And so he and I went ahead and did that. He makes this much more balanced team. And he's just like, I think that you would be better with this one. And I'm like, but I built this really awesome hyper-offensive team. And I want to run that instead. <laughs> and that's what I did. And I think I think it's a much better team for it. I think it is an absolutely fantastic team. And hopefully it just keeps keeps on a roll, you know? I think one of the... Like- when you were talking about how balance is probably the playstyle you should try going for when you're starting out, I thought of something really interesting. At least it was like this for me, in my experience. But I think balance is the one playstyle that can also... Yes, it's a good one to start out, but it's also a good one to make that last step into being a really, really good singles player. Yeah. Because when you play balance, you can actually more easily become aware of how Pokemon is a chess game. Because when when you're playing stall, you are just switching into the thing that counters the thing that your opponent has in all the time. Yep. And you you can predict them, and you cannot predict them, but you're going to win anyway. That's how stall is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And when you play hyper offense, you're just thinking about what you are doing and trying to get your your plan off the ground, as it were. I hyper offense is very momentum based as opposed yes. to how many pieces you have left. Yes, I like would you're agree much with more that. willing to sack for hyper offense if it gives you enough momentum to make up for it. I agree with that. I also wouldn't say that you're not thinking about what your opponent's doing in hyper offense. Because it is very much, I mean, you are definitely more focused on what you're doing than what your opponent's doing, but you also need to worry about what your opponent's doing in hyper offense. Because if you're running hyper offense, you need to make sure the opening's there. You can't just send out Mega Charizard if your opponent still has Choice Scarf Tyrantrum in the back, right? Of course. You, you need to make sure that. You need to you need to play to your opponent right there and make sure that you can one choose the right Pokemon. I mean this I think I think hyper offense is more akin to helping you realize how win conditions work in Pokemon. Yes. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is Pokemon is always a chess game, but when you play balance, you have the easiest time actually seeing that and learning that than mm. if you're playing the other two play styles. Yeah, I I think they each have their own thing to teach you. Um, I think win conditions is something that people don't think enough about when playing Pokemon. I have seen a lot of people that I've played on Showdown and on stream. 
I've seen them kind of throw away the one Pokemon that I'm just like, if you would have kept that, you would have won the game. You know? Yeah, that is and, that is absolutely. And yeah. that's the that's I see that all the time where people throw away games because they're not thinking about okay, this Their is how win I, condition. This is how I go ahead and win. And I I guess that's that's what people are referring to. And it's very I I hate the phrase they're thinking five steps ahead of you. Right? I don't like that phrase because I feel like it's very vague and it doesn't really explain what's going on. But the reason that you can say I'm thinking five steps ahead of you is because you thought about your win condition. You thought about how this game plays out, and yes. you know what move you want to make. And I think, I mean personally for me, I hate that phrase. I don't think it's very descriptive of what's going on. You may disagree with me. You may have been like, yeah, of course, that's what that stands for, Thatch. And you know, let's what? just that's say fine. you're thinking about the future instead of just the present. Exactly. I think I think an even I, I, an even more accurate way of putting it is not thinking five steps ahead. Is that you know what you are doing, you know what you want to do, and you are solid about it. You never lose sight of it. So exactly. it looks to your opponent as if you are thinking five steps ahead. In actuality, what you're doing, you have set a path, and you are you're not working towards from the it. wind condition exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I think wind conditions are just there's there's big things in Pokemon outside of just play styles that I don't think people understand, and I think wind conditions are a big one. I think people need to be more aware of their wind conditions when playing competitive Pokemon. They need to go. Okay, this is how I win this game, and that's part of the reason I'm I'm probably not the best VGC player because I haven't gotten to the point in my VGC skills where, well, I, yes and no, I am, but that meta rotates just so often, um, that I just go, okay, I understand this meta. I can pick out the next 10 steps I need to make to win this game. I typically play it on a one to two turn ahead basis. And that's why when I, whenever I play VGC versus something like singles, I'm always, I feel like I'm just like a fish flopping around and just hitting buttons because (laughs) I don't know. I like, I'm just like, I don't know what the best play is here. And just because there's just so many variables and it's a different game than what I'm used to in singles. And you have to pick moves so fast now. Yeah. Well, on top of that, I'm also, well, typically what I, with the new, with the new pace. And I would say, because, I mean, I obviously know what I'm talking about to some extent because I I did, I did okay at St. Louis and like, I I did have moments where, where it just kind of clicked and I'm like, okay, these are the next like five plays I need to make. Right. And like it, it can happen. I I'm not denying that. I mean, obviously, it does for a lot of people who aren't me. They're better at the game than me. The people at Worlds this weekend are far better at this game than I am. And so they they can actually sit down and think about that. But um, I, I I can understand what it's like to be new to the game, if that makes any sense. And I think it just needs to be said that you start to figure out your win conditions and honestly and i i say this every time we do any kind of competitive centric episode about learning how to play a game learning your play style in this episode whether uh, learning how to team build learning how to get good at pokemon and the answer is literally just go play the game uh because you need to get some kind of intuition on what's going to be the thing that takes you to the goalpost, right honestly uh, like I think one of my best learning experiences, and this is going to sound weird, uh, one of my best learning experiences about wind conditions was the UUTC last year. Yeah. That I, hashtag humblebrag, I won, but I like I didn't go in thinking, I'm good, I'm going to win this. I won this in 
part because I realized as I was going through that I had built a roster with two ultra beasts, two scarfed ultra beasts. And like an ultra beast is a very simple win condition, if you will. Like you put a scarf on Cortana or you put a scarf on Nihilego. And if you just can chip down your opponent enough that nothing outspeeds it, that can kill it. And they can Oko everything that's left using like the, the beast boost ability. Then you just snowball with that and win. It's a very simple win condition, if you will. Like one you might want to use to learn maybe, but I hadn't even realized that that is what I had done. I had made a roster that was built around the team archetype, chip things down, sweep with Ultra Beast with a scarf. And like I had a win condition and I only realized I had it halfway through the tournament. And then I started basing my play style around that, and it worked really well for me. Yeah, it's fantastic. I really do appreciate, like, when you figure that out. I think there's a lot that clicks when you play Pokemon and you figure that out. I don't, I don't know. I would, I would say I'm better than your average Barrett competitive Pokemon, but I, I just want, I want people to understand, like, this is doable. You can do it too. You don't have to have a Pokemon podcast. Um, it, it's literally just go there, play the game. Have fun with it. And I mean, if you're not having fun, then why are you even playing? And if you want to get good at something, you just got to practice, practice, practice and figure out what's going on. Uh, You have to get to know your team. You have to get to know your play style and how you like to play the game. If you're not comfortable playing stall and you built yourself a stall team, I don't care if that's if um, Seth Vilo could do really well with that stall team. I... For example, I don't think you would do very well just because you're not comfortable with that play style making those plays. And then you're a masochist on top of the sadist because yeah. you're playing stall and you don't even like it. So. <laughs> exactly. Looking at you, Seth. I hope he listens to the show and realizes we just, like, we just dug him. We just like ripped him a new one because we're just like, no, you know we- how you like to play stall? It's awful. Nobody likes you. Stall is awful to play against. I mean, only like just I'm going to say a nice thing about Seth. Like think about what a wonderful person he has to be for us to like him, even though he plays stall against us all the time. <laughs> he is so jovial and happy, and that must all be to make up for the fact that he plays stall. <laughs> <laughs> I love Seth, but I hate stall. It's all a facade. Same. <laughs> I guess. I guess what we're all trying to say here is what we were saying before: find something that works for you, find something you like, and then that go from there. Stall. I mean, some people like Seth, like Stoll, and can make it work. So, And some people want to see the world burn. I mean, yep. they, like they, those people yep. should play Stoll, so we have something to complain about. I just besides... wish they could only play against other Stoll players so that they can just experience that for themselves. A Stoll v. Stoll match is absolutely awful, by the way. Awful. It's what they deserve. It's what they deserve. They should only play against other Stoll players. There was a time I almost outstole Seth Phylum, but... That's a story. He got the right role on Sleep Talk, and that was the end of it. Mm. But, oh, I, I almost did it. I almost, like, I was so close. So close. Interesting. All right. I mean, this is probably a good place to end it. I, I think, yeah, like you said, go figure out what you're comfortable with. Go build a team for it. You can go listen to one of our past episodes on team building. Or go look up a guide somewhere. Go build a team. 
find a play style you like, find a team that you can be comfortable with, and then go become a Pokemon master. And I think, I mean, that's that's the goal of this. Just go become a Pokemon master. And I think that's where we'll leave you guys. So Don't play stall. Don't play stall. Uh, balance or hyper offense. Go find yours. And, <laughs> and challenge yourself. Try mm-hmm. not to put Landros T on your team. Please. Please, please. Well, actually, we should all just use Lando, so it's 100% usage. And then we can get it banned for over-centralization. But uh, <laughs> we're done there. So that is going to be it for the topic, guys. We are going to take a short... We're going to kick it on over to the poke of the episode. So I will catch you guys on the flip-flop. <laughs> And welcome to the Pokemon of the episode. Our poke of the episode this week is National Dex number 423, Gastrodon, the Sea Slug Pokemon. It's Pokemon Moon Pokedex entry states. Experiments are being conducted to discover what happens when a Gastrodon is raised in a location other than the sea where it was born. Ooh, maybe it changes colors. Maybe. I hope it doesn't die. <laughs> oh, no! Sublime! Wow. That got dark super fast. Well, I mean, experiments. It's like, I don't know. I don't, experiments can be not what you want them to be. Gastrodon is deceptively good. It's got a base yes. total of 475. Which is quite low. <laughs> base HP of 111, attack of 83, defense of 68, special attack of 92, special defense of 82, and speed of 39. It's really good because I hadn't realized that the Moon Pokedex entry for the East Sea is the one I read you. And then the Ultra Moon Pokedex entry for the West Sea starts with their shape and color change depending on their environment and diet. I guess they found out. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I believe right now it's at, in the OU tier. So G- Gastrodon's an OU it because is. it's so good. Um, it gets access to Scald. It gets access to Recover. It gets access to Earthquake and Toxic. It's Ability Storm Drain. It, the typing of water ground is just a really solid typing. Um, it defensively. And then you put storm drain on top of it. Yeah. So it can't even get hit by water types. Yeah. It's just going to take a special attack boost from getting hit by a water type move. So free switch into it's a free water type immunity on top of that, which is blowing my mind. Uh, but scald recover toxic earthquake. That's pretty standard. You max out that special defense. And you max out that HP, and then you just go to town. Just sit there forever, Seth. You're going to have a good Pokemon. There are a couple other moves it gets. It gets Curse, so you can build up the defenses if you really want to. But the standard set for all time has been Scald, Earthquake, slash Earth Power, Recover, Toxic. Boom. That's the standard set of all time. Slap some lefties on it, and then bulk up the defense of choice. And you just go to town. That's Gastrodon in a nutshell. It gets some other cool, like, other moves, but it, it gets Icy Wind like everything now because it became a move tutor move and everything just gets Icy Wind. It's really cool for speed control, though. I should say that. Icy Wind's yeah. really cool for speed control. And because it's so slow, Gastrodon has also, like, been really good in Trick Room mm-hmm. uh, in the VGC in years past as That's well. That's true. And I it's mean, a rain counter because it's really nice to condense, like, so many rolls into a single Pokemon. Mm-hmm. He can do a lot. He's just, he's yeah. a, a solid Mon all around. 
I mean, his, his move pool isn't super deep. He does get Rock Slide, which is really nice if you are a VGC player. And he does get Poison-type moves as an option if you're really worried about Fairy-types. So those are some things to look for. Uh, other than that, though, his move pool is not that deep even. Like, he just doesn't have that much going for him move pool-wise, but his stats just work out really well. It's that typing. It's the... It's like everything lined up perfectly because the stats mm-hmm. aren't that good, right? Like 68 defense is bad. Mm-hmm. Objectively. And it's a defensive Pokemon. <laughs> Objectively bad. But, I mean, and you get two colors. They come in two colors. You can get a pink one or a blue one. And they're both purple. So <laughs> that's how it works out for you guys. But, yes, uh, I don't know if it's got a card. It's definitely not good in the T. Te- oh, my gosh. Can we get Gastrodon GX, please? Please, 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 please. I need that in my life. Oh, tag team. Tag team Gastrodon GX. That's what I need. With? So that, with another Gastrodon. One's, one's blue, one's pink. <laughs> I love that. That card needs to exist now. Uh, Pokemon, I'm giving you all of these free ideas, okay? I'm just letting you know free ideas, courtesy of Thatch. You can use them. Just call me up. You can get me at uh, 555-6064. Um, that's how you get to me. But, I mean, they're just good ideas all around. Let's see. Gastrodon of the TCG. It has zero... Oh, it does have one card in rotation. It has one from Crimson Invasion. Crimson Invasion, and it's almost good not. No, it's not. Uh, it's, it's bad. It's a ground type, 120 HP, fighting, and a colorless for 30 damage. You can do Eerie Fluid. It also confuses your opponent's active Pokemon. For two fighting energy and a colorless, he can do Earthquake for 120 which does 10 damage to each of your bench Pokemon, not even theirs. So Gastrodon, not that good. It's meh. It's, it's bad. It's not very it's good. Bad. It's, it's bad. It's bad card. You're, you're right. Most cards are bad cards, though, so it, it's okay. And most cards are bad cards. This is true. I do like in the art for both the uh, Shellos and the Gastrodon card, though. Uh, from Steam Siege, they included both forms of Gastrodon and Shellos. That's so cute. Yeah, it's adorable. They did a good job there. They 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 did that both. with the Crimson Invasion as well. It looks like no, just the Crimson Invasion. Those were the only ones. I was no, they about. did that for Steam Siege as well. Oh, they, yeah, Steam Siege. That. Steam Siege. They did as well. Um, because that's the way to do it. Because they have uh, because the I think before that they actually specified whether it was EC or WC or something like that. And mm-hmm. I mean, bef- uh, so I don't know if that made any difference in how they evolved or not back in the day i mean the last time that happened though was rising rivals so that was platinum so they weren't really that they're not even expanded mm. that blows my mind that shellos and gastrodon hadn't been an expanded until steam siege came out i just thought wow. about that that blows my mind oh well good to, good to know good to know it's a pokemon gastrodon is uh is a pokemon that does pokemon things well, it's it, it does have an interesting piece of trivia. Like Shellus and Gastrodon were like they were supposed to be in Ruby in Ruby and Sapphire. Like they yeah, had I do remember that. art and everything. And then they just didn't put them in. But if you look in um, in Diamond and Pearl, you can still find the back sprite for the early design of Gastrodon. But there's no front sprite for it. Because they got rid of it. Yep. It's all... But only halfway through. Yeah. I I mean, I think Ruby and Sapphire intended to have more Pokemon in it than it actually did. 
I know that when they were developing Ruby and Sapphire, they were trying to find a good balance because they knew they couldn't fit all of the Pokemon into Ruby and Sapphire. They were trying to find a good balance between old Pokemon and new Pokemon. And these were probably some of the new designs they had that just got cut. And they're just like, we can't put these in the game. I always find it really interesting when we look at the Pokemon designs that we never got. I think the big one to look at there is a couple months ago, we got that manga about developing the first Pokemon games and we got three new Pokemon, well, new Pokemon in quotes, that were never released in Gen 1. Uh, the reindeer, the uh, the shark, and the oh, uh, yeah. and uh, the crocodile thing. I think that's really interesting. But to be fair, if you look at some of those designs, they just don't feel like Pokemon either. Uh, no. And another one is just with the Space World demo that we never really talked about on the show. But the Space World demo dropped a bunch of new Pokemon that we hadn't seen before, including evolutions of like. Weepin' Bell with the Sunstone, and Leafeon was actually originally planned for Gold and Silver, which I find really funny. Yeah, but it didn't look as good as it does now, so I'm fine with it. Well, I think what they... If you look at that game, they were okay with just retconning that certain Pokemon could could evolve with the same items that existed in the game, and now Pokemon's actually been really good at being consistent with this Pokemon couldn't evolve in the previous games because it didn't have access to XYZ, right? And yeah, there's only one case where they messed up, I think. Yeah, I it's, think. It's, is it Mamoswine that yep. could learn Ancient Power? Pyloswine yeah. could learn Ancient Power in Gen 3, I believe. And yeah, that's, that's the, the only one. case that they messed up. But they've been really good about it otherwise. Like, they they are just very good at making sure that things couldn't evolve prior gener- in prior generations. Yeah, which I really appreciate. Like, I like a bit of consistency in my fantasy world. Mm-hmm. I, I like that better than being like, oh, well, now Eevee can use the Leaf Stone. Uh, I like that better. I like that we have to take it to Moss Rock to evolve it. And then it gets its little buddy Glaceon. Instead of using an Ice Stone, which is new now, which is a thing. <laughs> uh, I would be a big fan. I know they do make some of them, but I think they only do it for, like, the original four stones four or five stones they do like uh they do like little models to have i would dig like some models of some evolutionary stones though to like put on my shelf i mean you can probably find someone who does the for you on etsy yeah but maybe they won't look good i don't know i'm too hesitant Mm. uh all right though that seems like everything for the pokemon of the episode this week we are gonna kick it on over now guys to the mailbag Time for the mailbag. Send in your emails. And welcome to the mailbag. The mailbag, as always, is brought to you by the energy drink, Green Tauros. The energy drink that gives you hooves. Hooves! And also Squatty Potty. But as yes. always, that's a joke. We are not sponsored by Squatty Potty. But yet. Uh, <laughs> yet. Squatty Potty, hit us up with those with those uh, promotions. We want to we want to promote your product. All right, but either way, we have uh we have emails for you guys today. For those of you who are new to the show, the mailbag segment is where we read listener emails and discuss. We typically have a prompt. The prompt this week was what Gen 1 Pokémon would you like to see or what mechanic would you like to see in a future Gen 8 Pokémon game? Uh kind of like Z moves or Mega Evolution. What do you think is next? And uh, you can send in your emails to pucklepodcast at gmail podcast uh, gmail uh, oh my gosh pucklepodcast at gmail dot com. 
with answering the question of uh, what kind of playstyle do you have in competitive Pokemon? Let us know in at our email. So we'll look forward to those emails next week. But let's get to these today. Our first one is from Doc Noximus. Good evening, Puckle. Dr. Noximus here, ready to reclaim my nefarious nature by bringing up natures in Gen 8. As of now, they have a modest effect on the whole EV IV system. Let's crank that to 11, shall we? First, hide the number values, but keep the vague hex chart. Do you think you can just scan a Pokemon with your decks and have it spit out numbers? Yes, please. Yeah. Never get yes. rid of the numbers. Yes, absolutely. In fact, show us the number of of EVs. Too. That would be great. <laughs> I'd be, be I'd wonderful. be, I'd be okay with that. Next, make nature's wider ranging. For example, an impish Pokemon might have a boost to cause ailments, but disobey without high friendship. Ah! Or a brave Pokemon re- may resist intimidation, but also occasionally refuse to sub out. A shy Pokemon Ooh. might be more likely to flinch, but have boosted hidden power. Uh, I don't know. I would like these for in-game. Like in-game, the stuff yes. from... Uh, like uh, stuff Pokemon from, and me. Uh, exactly. This creates a more realistic dynamic game balance that allows for trainers to pick Pokemon by preference over raw stat values. At the same time, having the Pokemon checked at the region lab could reveal its current hard numbers without disclosing the max potential or base minimum. But no, if you get the current hard numbers, you you know the max potential or base minimum. <laughs> Uh, finally, my vote go for Megas goes to Zatu, Carnivine, and Zebstrika. Actually, those are all solid. Those those all could get cool Megas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stay sassy, Doc Knox. Yeah, I don't know about changing natures. I don't. I think natures nope. are in a good place. Yep. Don't touch them. Pass. Don't make them. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of the actually show a Pokemon's nature as you're playing with it. Like, whether you show it in Pokemon Ami or you show it in-game with stuff like the ones he mentioned, I would be okay with that. I would actually like wanna, it, but only in-game. If you want to do stuff with the natures, add a Pokemon Ami feature where they react differently based on their nature. Yes, that's yeah, exactly what I was yeah. about to say. All right. Uh, so this next one is from Duly Noted. All right. Okay, so here's the problem. I listen to the podcast while I'm driving. So when you do the mailbag, I watch right in, but by the time I get to work and then get home, I've completely forgotten to do it. It's not that I don't love y'all, but sometimes ADHD gets in the way. Hold on, I think I see something shiny outside. Okay, I'm back. So I'm going to touch on the last two weeks' worth of mail prompts. Let's start with my thoughts for a new Mega Evolution for the Let's Go series. I'm not going for will it work or will it destroy the meta, but more in a fun aspect. I'd love to see Mega Eevee. Think about it. Eevee has so many evolutions, it's built into its name. So why not a Mega Evolution? Picture your cute furry little Eevee evolving into a giant, furry, muscular creature, and it's Mega Boost. It gets all typings that Eevee can evolve into, so it's simultaneously water, electric, fire, dark, psychic, grass, ice, and fairy. And did you say there will be a new evolution? Well, let's add that type, too. Unless Mega is the new evolution, Evil Grin. It just sounds like a fun time to be an Eevee. No, it's not a fun time to be an Eevee because you're four times weak to Stealth Rock. On top of that? With no resist, yeah. Yeah, I and I think you're four times weak to poison too. I don't. Well, yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. There's a lot of bad things about those typings eh, put together. Give it magic guard done. <laughs> uh, uh, I still think there's bad things about that typing. Yeah, yeah there are. Yeah, if too many types doesn't help you any. 
Because you can only carry four moves of stab anyway. So I also think that they did a really good job celebrating the whole Eevee thing with the EVZ move. So I don't know. I don't know that we need more Eevee love. Please. The Z move was perfect for Eevee. We talked last week on the show about how the Gen 1 love is kind of just getting exhausting. And I, I hope that we stop with the Eevee love in the same vein. Because, I mean, that's part of it. But I digress. We can continue. Now, on to Generation 8 mechanics. Let me start by saying that I don't think there should be any Alolan forms in the new game, at least not in the main game or story. Sure, people will want to collect them all, and in that case, maybe they can introduce a new mechanic to bring them into the game, perhaps a seaside resort-type location. You bump into tourists who have brought their Alolan mates with them. Or perhaps Alola can be a vacation spot included in the game post-game, where you can visit by ship like the Poke Cruise Lines or some kind of audio, vibratory, physio-molecular transport device. And I give you 10 points if you can tell me what this is a reference to, but I'm not going to do that right now because I'm reading. After all, the game size can be much larger now that we're on the Switch. The point is, Alolan Pokemon are specific to that one small region of the islands, Alola. They wouldn't be found in the wild anywhere else, so I don't think mouthy mega evolutions are going to be a thing, nor should they. It's bad enough that we meet the Tapus, the defenders of the Alolan Islands, have a battle with them, and then say, okay, you are done being the island's protector. Get in my Pokeball and stay there for the rest of your life. But to also take them away from their homeland? Nah, that's too cruel. And now let me close this out by asking y'all a question. Which tree do you think Generation 8's professor will be named after? Keep up the great podcast. I love you guys, and I'll make it for the next PuckleCon, I promise. As always, this email is duly noted. <laughs> Linden. Gosh dang it, <laughs> cut. That's, that's a deep cut right there. Oh, so shady. So that's shady. a deep cut. Well, you should know that one, Sublime. You should. Know I that do right know that yeah. one. That's why I'm saying it's shady. <laughs> that's a deep cut. Yeah. I, did, like, I meant it yep. in a good way. <laughs> the deep cut. Um, we're going to... We'll see. How about Tamarind? Ooh. Ooh, I don't know. I I don't know any other dream names other than the ones that already exist. So I'll be very surprised when we get something else. Um, I was uh, I was looking at a picture of all the professors recently, by the way, and it's just like, what are what's the difference between all of these other than wh- which one of these people stands out other than um, Juniper for being the only female professor, right? We need another female professor, by the way, guys. Agreed. Agreed. But, yeah. Yeah. But, um, and so I was just like, I have no idea. What is the difference? And I totally didn't notice this, but it's Professor Rowan if you put all the pictures together. And you know why Rowan's different than the rest of them? Because why? he's older and he doesn't wear a lab coat. He doesn't wear a lab coat. Ah. Yeah. He's not, he's not older. He's about the same age as Oak, I think. Um, but he is like, yeah, he just doesn't wear a lab coat. I think it's because he's outside all the time doing business. Honestly, the way he reminds me of like an actual professor in academia because they always have to go out to like interact with people to get funding. <laughs> then they make their grad students do whatever. But I digress. This last one's going to be from Domobot for you, Whimsicott. All right. Hey, Buckle Crowd. Last time I wrote in, I talked a little about Shelder, and I recently heard you talking about possibly getting a split evolution in Gen 8. It got me thinking about how they could have implemented it in the past, and a missed opportunity by Pokemon, in my opinion. So, let's go back to Gen 2, in the Slowpoke well, where Team Rocket were cutting off Slowpoke tails and trying to sell them. 
They could have introduced Shelder's split evolution by showing that Team Rocket were getting Shelder to evolve by feeding them Zillapok tails they were cutting off and catching them for themselves to use and sell. Then for an in-game mechanic, you could have Shelder evolve into so-and-so, I don't know the Pokemon's name, through trading while holding a Slowpoke tail. It bugs me that this doesn't that this didn't happen, because I feel the Slowpoke walk scenario would have made more sense than, oh, we just like to cut the tails off a Slowpoke, it's good eating. Honestly, it's, like, it's terrifying, but it's fascinating as an idea. It makes sense. I would accept that as a logical reason. I wouldn't exactly. accept that as like a Pokemon thing to do. Because TPCI no. and Game Freak are just more friendly than that in general. It's very grim for the Pokemon world. Very. But it totally makes sense. Like, you bite the tail, and if the tail is still attached, the Slowbook evolves. If it's not, the Shelter evolves. I get what you're doing, my man. <laughs> yeah, I get it too. It makes sense. Okay, now for the mail prompt about Megas. First, I would love to see a Mega Sand Slash, only because it's my favorite Pokemon. But other than that, but others that I think would be cool to see would be a Megacle Fable, throw in an extra type when it evolves, maybe Psychic, and kind of a Cosmic Ruler type look. Wow. I mean, Clefable is strong enough, it doesn't need a Mega, but Sand Slash definitely does. But I like these mm-hmm. ideas. Sand Slash got an Alolan form, though. Not it, a good one. It, yeah, it, it, got it looks a cool really one. good. It doesn't have to be good. Aha, uh, uh, pun not intended. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's go back to Mega Clay Fable uh, before I cry about how I drafted a little on Sandlish and never managed to bring it to a single game in the PDL. <clears throat> Mega Clay Fable. Make it hover and give it a dark blue cape for fun. Make the wings as big as its body and have the roll on its head unroll to a small antenna that can shoot beams out of reed mines or something cool like that. Oh man, this boy has ideas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> also, Mega Typhlosion would be amazing to get. I can't imagine it getting a rock or steel type added and it gaining a molten coat on its back for protection made of rock or steel, along with some other aesthetic enhancement and a defense boost. One last thing about Mega Machamp's look. I imagine a top two arms getting bulked out to almost the size of Machamp and planting them on the ground, and then it could use them for mobility, as a shield when needed, and used to hold itself up so that it can fight in me there. Kind of. I know it's silly, but that's what came to mind when I heard it was getting a Mega. Sorry if this email was too long, I tried to keep it short, love the show, and keep up the good work. Well, thank you, and no, yeah, it was maybe a tiny bit long, but it was full of interesting ideas, so. Absolutely. But yeah, that is it for the mailbag. Uh, Anybody you think should get it, guys? Who has it already? I think almost all of them have it. I don't know if Domobot does. Well, I think they were all good and could all be deserving. Yeah, you all win it. Yeah. Whoever doesn't have it. Yep. (laughs) You all get it. Yay. You get a green Tauros badge. You get a green Tauros badge. Come to the Discord and grab it. Of course, like I said last week, you can send an email to PucklePodcast at gmail.com answering what is your competitive play style. We look forward to it. And of course, as every week, if you want more awesome Puckleness, first of all, check out the Puckle Plus feed where we have the TCG cast, Battlecast, and Game Corner. You can also follow us on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit to find out if anything crazy is going on. 
You go to our Discord server to hang out with us throughout the week. You can also come to twitch.tv slash thepucklepodcast to hang out with us. And of course, you can go to Patreon at patreon.com slash pucklepodcast to help out and support the show. Also, get to listen to that Puckle PTU podcast that's coming out. What day did we say that was? The first? Sure. Wednesday of September? Sure. September, September 5th. 5th. I think it's September 5th. September 5th. That's when it's happening, Pretty guys. sure that's what Be there said. or be square. And all it takes is a dollar a month to listen to that. And, and it's explicit, so don't be surprised. Yes. And also, if you want to support the show in other ways, you can check out our Tee Public store where you can buy all of our fun, crazy, wacky products uh, in t-shirt form or onesie form for your children or throw pillow form for your comfort. And of course, you can... Also, go to Twitch and give us uh, Twitch Prime subscriptions if you have them there. We really appreciate any support we can get. If not, the best support we can get from you guys is just having you listen to the show. And as always, we appreciate you. So until next week, guys, here in the Lavender Town Radio Tower, I'm Trainer Thatch. I am the Fluffiest Whimsicott. And I'm Sublime. And it's closing time. As always, I would like to thank our current patrons because without them, we would not be able to do a lot of awesome stuff here at Puckle. So as always, let's just go ahead and jump in. Thanks to Viger, Jonathan, Zane, Sean, Dexio, Chris, Ryan, Michael, Rotted Mushroom, Jimmy, John, Miguel, Paul, Marcus, Laria, Andrea, Doc Knox, Mikey, Alec, The Golden Klefki, TJ, Birdkeeper, Cobra, Doc McStuffles, John, Greg, Trevor, Jesse, Ozzy, Trey, Josh, Nathan, Daniel, Nick, Polini, um, oops, 
and Ironcaster, Dylan, Shira, Sparky, Orange, Avenger, The British Gent, Half Full Reviews, Michael, Echo, Anime Gravy, Inferno, Alex, Michael, Eric, Travis, Thomas, and Curtis. So thank you all to you for going ahead and donating to Puckle. We really appreciate it, and we hope to see you guys in the future. And if you're a $10 patron or higher, feel free. Uh, soon we will be sending out those Bosephus cards, so if you haven't gotten one yet, you will soon. So I will catch you guys on the flip-flop. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.